Hello, welcome back to the Utes Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. We're joined by myself as usual. Me, Shona. And me, Archie. And the new guy, Matt. Hi. Yeah, your first episode. It is. Web, a member of the web team to get a little bit more bread than milk. Bread? Bread. 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 I get all the pastry. Web. <laughs> Depth. <laughs> pastry. No, yeah. Be a web developer. Depth. That's get lots of bread. Yeah. Depth of knowledge. Behind enemy lines. Yeah. Meets a bit of a, an echo chamber now that we've got a little bit another creative avenue to go down. The web yeah. world. The web world, is they, they, As they call it. Do they? Nope. They do not. Yeah. <laughs> what are you feeling about being on the episode, Matt? Are you I excited? Excited, yeah. Very yeah. excited. Very interested to talk to you guys. Mm-hmm. And see what we all think about stuff. Speaking of stuff. Yeah. You've been looking at some stuff, haven't you? I have. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Some online. Yeah, it's been International Women's Day today. And, and I guess yeah. to mark that, this is, what, is this a three-year-old report? No, not a three-year-old report. Three years in the making report. Yeah, so this report started in 2019. Um, it was led by Teal Triggs, who is postgraduate researcher at School of Communications at RCA, who does fantastic work anyway, like archiving, design, etc. But this report is about the picture for women in design following COVID-19 and what that means for women going forward. In what way? It turns out there's a huge gender disparity in design. It's super male-dominated and female leaders are still quite absent from the industry. Yeah, so so some stats from the report that are really interesting. Uh, 79% of women designers have changed careers. Um, 30% have left the industry completely to education. Uh, 30% have left from commercial design to charity sectors and 27 are now freelancers, which is why they're leaving the creative industries. That's interesting that, that 30% are going to education, which hopefully they'd come with some, oh, well, they would come with some industry knowledge to spew on these young female creatives. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know where in education they've gone to, if they've just gone to teaching in general or... Mm. Perhaps at higher education. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Shauna, as the only female on the podcast? I do think there's there's quite a lack of women in sort of leadership roles. I mean, we're quite lucky here, obviously, our leadership team is like 50% women. There's, there's only two people in the leadership team. But obviously, one of our directors is a female. Um, and I feel like at uni, there was quite a lot of emphasis on showing women in design roles and showing women being successful but I just think for the industry as a whole it'd be nicer to see women in, in more leadership positions. What changes do you think we could make to improve that percentage, increase that percentage of women um, in leadership roles? I think, I mean there's, there's an article I've got up here as well which was, it's quite old, uh, a couple of years old, um, but Paula Scher from Pentagram just talking about a similar sort of topic, what women can do to help build up opportunities for women coming up behind them. Um, and really just sort of like paying that forward. So recommending women for roles or opening up support networks or just chatting to women, going back to universities and giving talks. And really just making sure that whatever door you open for yourself, you leave it open for women that come behind you and just constantly pay that forward. What do you think? 
How old is this art? That, art, that article about Polisher? Uh, this was posted in 2020. So it's um, three years old. Three years old. And then that other one kind of echoes the findings of that. So not, yeah. not a lot's changed. Yeah. Although this article, uh, it was 2019, IGER design census, um, the industry, so the rate of creative directors that are women rose from 3% in 20, 2018 to 29% in 2019. So in 11 years, it rose 26%. So it is changing, mm-hmm. and more women are going into leadership positions. I guess it's only, it's only going to go up, yeah. realistically. Like if you, it's probably will increase by even more than 26% in the next 10 years. I'm trying to think. You'd probably say at least three quarters of my graduating class were women. And yeah, I never really thought about it that it's that low. Because it always struck me as not a more, more female dominated field, but it certainly seemed that way. Yeah, why do you think that is? I'm not sure. I'm actually, I genuinely don't know. I thought it would be split pretty evenly, but. Yeah, I can't think of anything about it. I don't know if it's just seen as a naturally less masculine field. Yeah, potentially. It's a, yeah, it's pretty outdated concept, but it's interesting. Like the this is from twenty nineteen, the US Department of Education. Uh, more than sixty percent of graduate graphic design degrees are go to women, but less than obviously twenty nine percent are in leadership roles. So you've got a huge amount of women graduating and then not many making it to the top. That probably goes back to the patriarchal sense about society that the man is the owner of a business, which is completely wrong, obviously. But the people that are still in them ownership roles are going to be clocking 60, 50. Um, So they've still probably got that mindset. Yeah. Us as a generation are going to come through, Gen Z, millennials, big up. We're going to come through and change all of that. Yeah. Yes, we will. <laughs> we will. It's not a revolution today. Change starts Do right you here. commit to the, doing this as our one, our one objective? CSR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of posts over social media for International Women's Day about how men can help women achieve equity in the creative industries. So things like um, letting women speak by interrupting and just sort of letting that statement sit. Um, giving women important speaking roles at your next meeting and making sure that they've got an opportunity to be heard and asking them, like, have you got any questions? Um, just sort of extending the mic to them. Um, this was interesting, encouraging women to sit at the centre of the table to get them off of the outskirts. So if women typically sit sort of towards the edges of the table, like either end, bring them more into the fold so they're in the middle of the meeting and they've got more opportunity to speak up. Is that something that's ever done consciously that strikes me as something that's just subconscious because if you if you went in and grabbed the chair you wouldn't yeah i wouldn't grab one that's closer to the middle yeah i think it's just a subconscious thing yeah because i was just reading the idea of saying it and what does it say yeah highlight like highlight women's accomplishments to others i don't know but that some of them strike me as quite condescending do you think i don't know it's all about bringing equity but it seems like i don't know oh yeah oh well, we should ask that but everyone the same it's not you don't have yeah. to like single out women to try and bring them into the conversation just act normal yeah i mean Again, it goes for everything i don't like... know if it's just a generational thing but i would never think about 
not asking a question on someone because they were women or excluding them because they were women because that just seems like a really outdated yeah i think it probably process. probably is a generational thing yeah and i don't know if this is just like the higher levels like maybe that's not in the creative industries it's more in like corporate like yeah. finance yeah where they've got like large like leadership teams yeah and then maybe one there is that kind of fight for the alpha male between yeah. all the leadership teams and maybe it's different there but like wolf of wall street yeah or a boardroom full of men yeah they've got quite a long way to go i feel like wolf of wall street oh imagine that really imagine imagine you can but it's always that way of like they're all trying to be the top and it's like kind of like intimidating not intimidating in the sense that but even if it's like subtle things like the way people talk or the way people like do handshakes mm. or the way people sit it's all about creating that image of power which yeah. I think is more relevant to finance or those kind of fields in creative industry. I I I think it's sort of prevalent everywhere. You sort of just maybe don't see it if you're not actively looking for it. Um, so you know, as a man, what something I can do is if I notice someone talking over a you know a female colleague, and just you know flag it say. You know, so you're interrupted. What were you saying? And yeah, yeah. it can be as simple as that, just to, you know, give use use your privilege in a sense to just say, "Hey, I noticed that you were treated unfairly there." How, you know, what were you saying? I also think that that maybe strays too far into the what is it like? Is it like white knighting when you're trying to be seen as being this like protective? It can go a little bit too far. I mean, if I see someone like interrupting someone or being with some regard if it's a man or a woman i'm not really going to see it as any different if someone that's just if you're interrupting someone that's just being rude or if you're again generational thing probably but yeah i guess it's just being aware isn't it, really? yeah that's yeah i'm not in that demographic yeah of course we so i, I really don't know. experience it but what's it from your side is it more obvious well being interrupted or but uh just these i think so yeah i mean i've noticed in the past in the grand scheme of like the past not in not in my position here obviously um just that would that would get really juicy that no that would be juicy <laughs> yeah. no i think i think we do a really good job of having everyone on the same level and really like everyone is heard everyone is able to speak and everyone really cares about each other which i think is a really good environment um but outside of it, I have obviously had people direct questions about things to probably the man in the room, whereas I would probably be the person to ask about the thing that they're asking questions about um, and interrupted and stuff like that. And it is nice when actually the man in the conversation is like, oh, you were saying this or like, oh, can we just circle back to what you were saying? I know that's like the worst corporate speak ever. I'd be like, oh, can we just circle back? <laughs> but when they do remember what you were saying and they're like, oh, that was a really interesting point. Like, can we talk about that a bit more? And it just makes you feel a bit like people are actually hearing what I'm saying and I'm not just talking into the void. I think what you mentioned about sort of here where we've got sort of that inclusive environment where everyone's able to sort of voice how they're feeling and what's going on. Is that sort of flat structure as opposed to like a hierarchical yeah. structure where there's no fight for power yeah yeah the, the, there is none well there is but that lies with the managers yeah there's no benefit to trying to screw over people to get ahead i agree with that i think it's yeah flat structure and everyone is super nice 
positive and cares about their job and cares about being a good person. I wonder, and this is just kind of linking to something I have no idea about, if you're a woman and you're a freelancer and you're just out of union, I wonder if it makes it not worse, but if someone approached you for work, if they say it's not, a, not this is going to sound really horrible, as it as an easy target, because you're A, you're young, you're just at the beginning and see your woman so a lot of people especially older might they can kind of talk down to you and belittle you yeah um i don't know how much how many experience that but it seems like an area that i can see that happening yeah it'd be interesting to find out about i guess it just goes back to the generational thing because i know i wouldn't do anything nowhere near that i know people older than me wouldn't i think it just goes yeah generations yeah it's the same with older generations are just horrible it's a war (laughs) no no i mean it's just like it's it's probably just individuals really but i'm not classifying a whole generation of people as being like sexist not at all yeah i think i guess which i conclude us three are probably not three to talk about it's probably about to come from you because you hopefully haven't experienced that but probably more evident from where you are. Oh yeah, I'm always up for talk about feminism. How do you deal with toxic masculinity in the workplace? Like what what sort of advice would you give to people that are sort of thinking about that and noticing that in their work environment? Personally, I don't know. I don't think I have enough experience enough to give an answer. Because I've not really no I hope I haven't encountered it. Or I've just walked out. But I think it's probably best if ask the community on Instagram on Reddit to get their opinion. Uh, we've got an interview in a couple of weeks, which um, maybe she might have a little bit more insight into that. Yeah, I refer that to everyone on Instagram, anyone listening. Um, we'll link a question in the description below. Yeah, especially if you're limited to the workplace, because I would say... Oh yeah, outside, I would say, yeah. yeah but... It's a bit hefty episode. Um, <laughs> get, get Andrew say on, if I'll have an opinion. I'm joking, he is banned from this podcast anywhere near this office. Yeah, you had to, yeah good thing you had to clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted everyone to know. Yeah, he is a terrible human being. Isn't he also in prison? Yeah. How yeah. would that work? Are we going to wire him in? <laughs> so when you edit that, can you like clip that and just have that to social post? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to break out Andrew Tate. No, because that looked bad for me. <laughs> he is a terrible man. Should be really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Interesting news section this week. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long, it's been a serious one this week compared to previous ones, let's just say. Um but Matt is new. Matt is new. I'm just gonna go straight into this. Uh, yeah. which gives us a chance to have a second run through of quick prayer question. So Matt, this is your first episode. Yes. Do you know about the tradition that is one episode long in its history? Yes. So, Cool. You're going to ask me a load of questions. I'm going to answer them. I've got a minute to answer them. Yeah. I'm going to try and beat Archie's score of 15. Amazing. Not going to happen. Are you ready? Oh, Dice. I should probably set a timer. Three, Three two. two, one. Where'd you study? The Montfort at Leicester. What's your education level? Computer science bachelor's. What was your very first job? Support. Tech support. Where are you from? Grantham. Where do you live now? Leicester. Your favourite smell? My favourite smell? Yeah. Coffee. Did you make your bed this morning? No, my partner was still asleep. What uni course did you attend? Computer science. Your dream career? 
software development. Favorite word in another language? Bok. Was it me? Bye. Oh, <laughs> Tea or coffee? Coffee. A word you hate hearing? Moist. Screen or sketchbook? Screen. What job would you be bad at? A graphic designer. Favorite school subject? Maths. How would you start your day? Coffee. What scares you? Dags. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs. Favourite city? New Orleans. Favourite font? Stop. Ooh. 20. No! Oh, blew me out of the water. <laughs> now I feel moist. Also with also with the extra question, like what does it mean? The extra question? Yeah, yeah. sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Here's a bonus point for that because I threw him off. I actually added that one. Oh, yeah. nice. bonus point. Bok means it's like a greeting in Croatian. I just like it because it's satisfying to say. Bok. 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 Oh, You've been that. learning another language, haven't you? I have been learning another language. I'm going Poland on the weekend, so I learned some Polish. What Polish did you learn? Oh, many, many words. Yeah. Do you want to know what? Um, no, I guess what this means. Um, uh, yes, śnieś pięknie. Uh, I'm sorry, my friend is drunk. No, you are beautiful. Oh, no, but is that what it means? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was the smoothest interaction I've ever that seen. That was smooth. <laughs> I'm a bit put back, actually. Uh, do you want another one? Um, pivo means beer. And then... No second guess is to guess what you're going there for. Yeah. <laughs> Sightseeing. Yeah, actually, pivo. Pivo um, is also beer in Croatian. Mm. I reckon Croatian and Polish are very similar pronunciations and words. No comment. <laughs> this is where you come in and go, no, not really. No, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you posted a question, most of them focusing around burnout, am I right? Yeah, so three days ago I posted on Reddit a prompt for a discussion about mental health in the design industry. I feel like we always talk about the We Transfers ideas report on here, but it's a really good report um, about the creative industry. And they found in their most recent report that the general happiness level of creatives right now is not so good. So 75% of global creatives said they were experiencing or close to experiencing burnout, uh, which doubled since the 2021 ideas report. And then accompanying that TBWA, which is a global design agency, um, also conducted a study last year and they found a similar sort of finding where creatives are more likely than other industries to experience burnout with also with issues in setting boundaries, upholding good mental health and also keeping a sense of stability. So loads of people were chatting away in the comments down there. Um, 94 comments, which is great. Whoa, that's Loads nice. of people chatting away. Almost 100. Yeah. That um, that kind of that well that pretty much does align with what was it twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two or twenty twenty to twenty twenty one? What the report? Yeah, the, like the increase in unhappiness. Oh, twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two, so it doubled. So that was over the second lockdown, or maybe it was just over the, the lockdown in general. Maybe that kind of explains yeah. if you're stuck inside. I think we were talking about it before we started. If you if you can't get out, um, which is a lot of the ways that people were saying you could combat burnout was kind of getting out and taking your mind off things. If you can't, if you're stuck inside, you can't escape it. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's had such a, a spike. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's difficult. I know you were saying earlier, um, working from home really feels like eventually you just live, work, sleep in your place of work. Mm -hmm. 
especially if it's <laughs> feeling in a one bed. Yeah. I wake up, I walk 10 feet to my desk, I do work, I finish, I walk 10 feet, <laughs> I repeat again. So was there, what was the general consensus behind burnout? Was there anything in particular that stood out? The reasons why or? Yeah, there was a pretty solid consensus to be fair. Uh, just before we jump into them, for anyone that's not aware or familiar with the term of burnout, burnout is sort of a special type of work-related stress. So physical or emotional exhaustion caused by the work that you're doing. And it's just the symptoms are sort of like exhaustion of your work, don't feel engaged with what you want to do, can't connect with your co-workers, etc. Yeah, so a lot of the comments are basically talking about it is sort of a difficulty in being creative too much work that they need to do really long hours and not having any opportunity to connect with anyone um that's triggering the burnout for them uh Matt, i want to go back to something you mentioned before we started you were talking about was it when you when you first started it was during lockdown wasn't it, it was yeah so i did my final year of uni in the second lockdown in the uk um so i finished sort of the second half of my final year completely from home um which was not great for many reasons but the main one was just not being able to connect with my classmates and sort of my course colleagues and stuff um so when i got my degree i didn't get to go through the graduation ceremony because obviously it was a lockdown you can't have more than however many people so finishing uni was very sort of anticlimactic for me. So I just handed all my work in and then sort of got my first job really, which was at the start, it was sort of fully remote. It was sort of a local company in Grantham where, you know, where I'm from. And it was, as I mentioned, it was a tech support job, which meant, you know, lots of emails, lots of phone calls. Um, but sort of the problem for me when I was going through that was I couldn't take myself away from it. It was all I really had um, in that situation where you can't leave the house more than once a day. You're only allowed to go for one walk per day. Mm. Um, it's sort of hard to disconnect yourself. As, as you mentioned, Dags, when you get out of bed, you walk 10 feet to your computer, you sit there all day, finish work, but, oh, another ticket's come in. So I finish work technically, but no one else is going to do it if I don't do it right now. So the customer is going to be waiting until sort of the next working hours kind of place. Um, but it was that sort of my personal experience, what I went through. And I, I remember sort of finishing work, going to my bedroom and just crying because it was horrible. And I didn't sort of know how to express that emotion in you know any other way mm -hmm. so it was really hard for me in that situation how did you resolve that what did you do to was it just the lockdown ending yeah so lockdown ended um i left that job you know i moved on to my sort of the next role in my career yeah which was less tech support more development which is what i'm sort of trained in got my degree in so having that was a benefit and a curse at the same time because oh i've got the job that i've wanted all the way through my life really so it's my you know i was a junior position and i was in that role i'm like well i'm gonna dedicate myself to this and the same thing sort of happened again and you know at that point it's like 
sort of when you have probationary periods, you're not sure sort of in the back of your mind whether you're going to keep your position after the end of that probation. So it's just dedicate myself to it, you know, 10, 11, 12 hours a day, just doing the job, not going outside really, mm-hmm. not talking to people really, because it was sort of fully remote. Do you reckon you would have worked as many hours if it wasn't remote, if you were in the office? Um, it depends. I, I can't say, you know, that's that's sort of my lived experience and sort of anything, anything otherwise, it's just sort of, I might have done, I might not have done, I can't say. When you mentioned that you, you left the first job, I'm trying to think how would you work this. Did you leave that job because it was almost tainted by what had happened, how you felt in the last couple of months, or were you planning on leaving anyway? Um, and it's just exacerbated. It was accelerated the process. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Could you just not go back to that after? You know, after having sort of been through that and felt that, um, you know, other, you know, other than the way I felt about it, it was a good position. Mm. Uh, I learned a lot from it. And, you know, that company is doing very well. They're a great company. They treat their employees very well. But what I'm trying to say, it's not the company's fault that I felt the way I did. It was sort of self-induced in a sense just by, oh, I've got nothing else to do, so I'm going to go to work mm-hmm. and I'm going to just do another ticket and I'm going to do another piece of work. So I left that job for sort of a, a couple of reasons, but I wanted to break into the industry that I would sort of trained for. And that gave me that that gave me that sort of good baseline to sort of make that move. Mm-hmm. How do you work on not being burnt out now? Like, how do you keep a good work-life balance? Um, when I work from home, I work 8.30 on the dot to 5 on the dot, and then I shut back. Yeah. Um, and anything outside of those times, you know, I don't really look at emails, don't look at messages. Um I might in the evening open it, read my email, see what I've got on for tomorrow, but I won't action anything until the next day is started. It's just sort of being aware of what I've got going on. Um, and when I'm sort of in the office, I like to talk to people because sort of I'm, I'm on a flexible, well, as you guys know, I'm on a flexible arrangement at the moment, coming two days a week. Those two days a week I sort of push myself to try to talk to you all and understand what's going on and how you're doing, you know, try to connect with people because working remotely, it's really hard to have that human interaction. Um, some people are okay with that. Um, more power to more power to you if, if that sounds like you, but yeah, I like talking to people. I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't do that work work. Yeah, it just gets, it gets just lonely. You did it for ages. How long were you working from home for? Um, Five months. I think that was different because I was like there living at home. So there was yeah. someone there, but now I'm living on my own. It just, it seems, it is just you sitting in a room on your own. Yeah, it'd be hard if you lived alone and, and worked alone. Even on Teams or whatever, you'd be like, oh, I'm here, but I'm not really here. You don't, you don't feel like part of the conversation that's going on. You're yeah. just kind of existing in the background. So... Yeah, it was weird when you first turned off and we'd like forgotten that you actually had legs. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm actually dead person. <laughs> I thought you came with like the screen around you. <laughs> so do you feel like Matt, that connection with your co-workers, do you think that is something that really helps you? Definitely, yeah. Um, because it's just about being able, so in the office environment, you can talk to people about work, 
and also not work. And I always find that a combination of both things, like, oh, what projects have you got on at the moment? That's an interesting topic that's related to work, but what are you doing at the weekend? Oh, do you want to grab a drink after work? They're the kind of things that are not work. And sort of, for me, having that not work conversation in the work environment reminds me that everyone else is a human. Everyone else is a person. Um, everyone else has got their own interests, you know, NPCs in a video game. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's Sonder. Say again? It's the term Sonder. Sonder me. Yeah, yeah. It means that you realise that everyone has their own life. It's not just interesting about you. Yeah. That's basically what the article I was reading about was saying, yeah. but I've never heard that term. So that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's all like you're in it, in it together as well. So if you're struggling, um, if you're connected more with people around you, team around you, it's so much easier to just put your hand up and say, like, this is way too much work. Or, like, I really need assistance with this. Rather than if you're just in a little isolated bubble, not, you've kind of got, like, when you're working from home, you've really got to extend to get in contact with everyone. Like, you've got to ring them and then you feel a bit like, oh, maybe they're busy and now they've got a Teams call that's just ringing in the background. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're like connected in an office, all you've got to do is turn around and just say like, hey, can I chat to you for two seconds about this? Yeah, and it's it's the same as like text messages. It's so hard to read what people actually, what they're, because people could say something on text sarcastically, but you could read it a completely different way. Yeah. Definitely. So like on Teams, if you're speaking to somebody and they put something, which in real life, it'll be funny. You're like, they hate me now. Yeah. We were having this conversation the other day, weren't we? And yeah. it's like when your boss sends you a message with a full stop on it and you're like, ah, what have I done? Why are yeah. you angry at me? I was just about to say, your message tag is always really like, you hate me. Yeah, really, really, really <laughs> yeah. The job is finished. Full <laughs> stop. Yeah, I think I found what I was looking for. I'm going back to an article that I brought up, which is a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, um, by uh, Ben Oates and Paul Drake two creative directors who were talking about um, specific to men's mental health. Um, But he kind of raises the fact that he goes on to say that his dad was a builder and a carpenter. And he explains that he goes to work, he does a job, he finishes, he comes home, and the job is forgotten. He gets paid, and that's the end of it. But for people in the creative industries, you do a job, you go home, you think about the job, it comes back, you do it again. And then there's always this risk of you put so much work into something, you put your entire like, heart and soul into a job and they don't like it. And so you, you kind of feel like you've just hit a wall where you can't really see anything else. And he bridges that up again, yeah. Um, and someone says they don't like it, it can all go black. And I think it's that constant need to please almost. It yeah. raises these, like, the anxiety or depressive thoughts or that just strive for perfection um and it links kind of into what you were saying where you say you start at 8 30 and you finish at 5 and i think especially in this industry there's almost like a culture of needing to do more oh yeah definitely there's yeah because even if you finish at five you never you always feel like oh but i could do a little bit more if i just do this if i just do this and that probably doesn't help with the inflated I know that when when I'm walking home, you know, even if I, when I'm in the office, shut the Mac at five, walk walk sort of to the train station, I'm still processing the problems that I've been working on, not sort of working on them directly as in like writing codes, but I'm still thinking about 
the problem. Yeah, it's the best Yeah, I think you're always striving to hit way beyond 100% on everything. Yeah, which is, mm. is not really sustainable. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things arise. Like I was not upset, but more frustrated at myself for not being able to send over a typeface to a client that they wanted because it was an Adobe font and it wouldn't match their system. And I stayed for ages trying to sort it out. And obviously you couldn't because you don't have Adobe. Mm-hmm. And just feeling so frustrated that I couldn't solve that really minor problem, which he didn't mind anyway. Mm. Um, yeah, and just after work, was still thinking about like, oh, was there a way, like if I'd have done it this way, could I have downloaded it and sent it to him? And realistic, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it was, a, it was a problem. You explain it to the client, like, this is why you can't have this typeface, but here's an alternative. He was happy, everyone else was happy, and yet I was still like, oh, how could I have sent that to him? Do you, you, know? do you think as your career progresses, you'll be more capable of dealing with that sort of stuff? Like at five, you'll be able to be like, all right, time to shut off. I think so. I think you always strive for, for more yeah. than 100%. I think creatives always have a tendency to tie their self-worth to the, the work that they create. When your identity is so like connected with the work that you make, you always naturally want to go above and beyond because it's like an extension of you. You're proud of the stuff you made. Like this, I made this and mm. I love doing it. Like design is vocational anyway. So you love making it. You always want to do a bit more because it's fun. You're having a good time working on it. And then it's also something you're proud of. So I don't think there's ever a point that you're like, oh, yeah, I'll just churn this out. And yeah. Like, it is what it is. I think when, when, you, when you put out stuff, you stop caring about that's kind of where you have to look at, should you move on? Yeah, I think if you're churning out work and you're just like, what it is, what it is, I made it, it looks okay. I'll just stick it out. And, like, they're not going to know any different. Mm. I think, yeah, that, that raises a lot more questions about whether actually you're enjoying the industry as a whole. Yeah. is that is, Do you reckon that's how some burnouts arise, is that you have this amazing idea, which is your baby, you're like, this is this is my creativity in its fullest, and then you present it to a client, they don't like it, and that happens, I don't know, five times, and then you're like, this is my baby, and it's being disregarded. Yeah, there were a few comments that said that mentioned that, so one of them was saying that they they were explaining it to their wife as that say you were like a nature photographer and you were like award-winning and you were really creative and you went to like Antarctica or whatever and you were photographing penguins and all this amazing stuff and then you were asked to do like the most mundane uh photography and not and all your ideas are being shut down no one's listening to your input and you're just asked to do like the most sort of churning work that there is and how that might make you feel that was something that one of the commenters sort of compared it to mm-hmm. can it just knocks the wind out yourselves i think yeah if you're if you feel yourself like oh you're really getting into the, the zone you think you're producing great stuff you're on a roll and then it comes back and they don't like anything it almost feels like a personal attack yeah you kind of you, you want you want why you just want to see why like you want to know the reasoning why they like, like what is that about this and then you I can't think clearly after that because I, I I don't understand what what it was that they didn't like and I can't see mm. the way forward. So I don't know if you need to like call someone else and say help. Is have it- you ever, have you ever asked a client like sort of directly? You know, I've presented you with two ideas. Uh, I've expressed an interest for this one, but you've chosen the other one. You know, why is that? What's your rationale? No, I don't. I just think. 
it's not what something I think something they just like it, they just like the way it looks, or they have their reasons. I don't think it's worth getting into why oh, you just have to suck it up and make do. Unfortunately. At the end of the day, it's probably personal opinion, isn't it? The person you're in contact yeah. with, the person who's going to say yes or no, it is, at the end yeah. of the day, their opinion. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's their money, it's their job. Yeah. Ultimately, they do, they do get final sign-off, so... Mm-hmm. You can kind of sway them, I think, but I don't think you can say, no, pick this one. Yeah, you will. <laughs> I've given you three options, but pick three. Yeah, just yeah. give them one option. So if you guys, going back to burnout, have you guys ever dealt with it, personally? No, I don't think no, so. No, not yet. No. Not yet. <laughs> I, well, it's burning the candle for his Given that it's a pretty high percentage, I'm expecting. I'm expecting. You're expecting. I'm not expecting it in the next coming months. I mean, it's, you know, let's just say 10 years. I'm not expecting it to come tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's hopefully the best, but expect the worst. So, no. how will you make sure you don't burn out? I don't know. I probably. How do you stop yourself burning out currently? I probably think I will because I don't think that I have enough work work life balance. Really? Yeah. So I probably will end up experiencing it at some point purely because of that. Uh, it might change in the future, but I don't know. Why don't you um, think you have a good work life balance? What are you not balancing? Uh, both. You're just trying to juggle both. <laughs> yeah, I just I think I just juggle work more than I do. I mean, obviously, get out. He's doing another one like two years ago. So that's um I remember seeing something that was saying obviously take up a, a hobby or a pastime that you have to focus fully on, that you have to invest your entire like attention into because that leaves yeah. no room for you to effectively leaves no room in your brain to focus on work. If you're going through that experience, talk to someone you trust and that listens to you and actually understands you um and sort of have that conversation and let it out and don't hold it in because sort of the more communicate communication you have sort of with your family with a therapist with you know with your manager you know these are people that want to help you so don't hold it all in you know be open about it because it's one of the ways you can sort of slowly get better and sort of start to engage yourself again because it's a hard thing to go through and no one's denying that. Look after yourselves and prioritize prioritize getting better by having these healthy communications with people that want to help you. The problem shared is a problem halved. That's all I'm here for, if anyone. <laughs> Sweet nugs or yeah. quotes. The golden nuggets. Yeah. Did see another uh, quote from someone that was saying, don't be afraid to just take a day off for yourself and be, but I always feel like taking a day off or a holiday off for no reason seems a bit of a waste but if you need it to just yeah if you had a bit of a hard week yeah you just want to take like a day off to just do nothing yeah well annual leave is like it's yours to use yeah if you don't use it you lose it yeah so you like you don't need to go on holiday to, to use your annual leave like my birthday this, like... last year, I achieved my annual leave and just spent the day like chilling in town, and I had the best day. Mm. But I didn't do anything; I just drifted around. But it's like so good to have that day just to like reset. Did you feel guilty? No, hell no. That's good. Yeah, because <laughs> it was my birthday anyway. So yeah, because like, yeah, because I've seen things. It's like um, it's you're not actually resting if you're feeling guilty for resting. Yeah, that's really interesting actually. 
you like giving yourself permission to do nothing is really important my favorite thing to do is like actively doing nothing so yeah. when someone says oh what are you doing nothing oh do you want to no i'm doing nothing yeah the plan is yeah, the yeah. Plan yeah. Is nothing. Nothing, yeah. so oh you have nothing planned oh, i have I am planning to do nothing. That's what I'm planning to do. Yeah. I'm so glad I found my people. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I do get that, like, I feel guilty when I'm doing nothing because oh, I should be doing something. So there's a book called Stolen Focus, which I'm reading at the moment. Um, I'll put a, a link in the description anyway, so people can buy it off Amazon or not. Love. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which is really interesting about the sort of information threshold that people have. And studies have found that everyone has sort of a maximum level of info and you can't go beyond that you're just you just won't take it in so taking that time off to really reflect on what you've taken in uh, your brain subconsciously working through the information that you've got behind the scenes gives you a chance to creatively look at problems and solve it and just really sort of get your creative spark back but if you're just going 100 miles an hour all of the time you're just overloading the information and nothing new is going in. The stuff that is valuable is getting lost in the noise. Like a sponge. Yeah, like a sponge. That's already like saturated. Gotta yeah. rinse that now and then. You gotta rinse that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. take a day to rinse your sponge. Rinse your sponge. Rinse, rinse your sponge. <laughs> <laughs> That's a euphemism right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a day off to rinse my sponge. Yeah. When can I buy a new sponge? You're stuck with your sponge forever. It's just yeah. just the way things are. Take care of your sponge. Yeah. How do you rinse your sponge? How do you make sure that you're free to have new ideas? Um, sleeping. Sleeping. Yeah, because I don't know if this is like true, but I knew someone at uni that used to keep a post-it note pile beside their bed because they used to have ideas when they were sleeping, and they had to write them when they woke up, otherwise they would forget. Yeah. The, the next day. So. Any good ones? Uh, it wasn't me. Oh. <laughs> I saw something similar uh, and the story was sort of set an alarm at 3 a.m. and write the first thing that comes to mind. Oh. We woke up the next morning and it just said this was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you get some really sleep deprived during scrollings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't remember writing this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like journaling getting, and getting outside. Sports as well. I guess just anything where you're not thinking. thinking. You've got a clear mind, no ego talking to you. It's interesting you said uh, sport. Have you heard the Diary of CEO episode with Scott Galloway? No. So I think he works in advertising, but he was saying that exercise is the, the most valuable form of um, like antidepressant that there is. So exercising will make you feel more confident, will make you feel happier, make you kinder, uh, obviously makes you healthier, um, gives you a better self-image and it's free like you can just go for a run you can like hang out with your friends just be active and that really just helps to boost everything about you give me the endorphins yeah yeah just, endorphin. just like a kick about with your mates you can have a chat with people while you're doing it and i think for me it's just not overthinking anything like there's certain activities that i do in the day which I, my brain will not be thinking which is it's surprising to know that I do actually think about things sometimes. Just on autopilot. Just yeah, I'm not always on autopilot. Yeah, um, but like reading, sports. Matt, what what do you do that cuts out the noise for a little bit? Um, I've been enjoying going on long walks recently. Um, I went, I walked from Leicester to Loughborough, which is, I think maybe 15, 16, 17 kilometers, something like that. 
about 12 miles, 13 miles. They ran back from no. Leicester. Just from Leicester to Loughborough. Oh. Took me five and a half hours to walk, and the train back took me 10 minutes. And the mails? 15, 16, 17 kilometers. I would say maybe 12, 13 miles. So 12 miles like and five hours. So, me, is it 24? Yeah, we're doing a oh charity God. walk <laughs> soon, 24 miles um, over the Yorkshire Three Peaks. Yeah. Archie was distraught to find there would be no pubs along the way. I thought it'd just be like walking through villages and stuff, and there would be pubs and things. But it's just some, hills. Just hills. It's just, just hills and fields. You uh, might be lucky if you find like a sheep. Yeah. Take a few cans, I I will take a few cans, I reckon. Or oh, Uber Eats it. Just remember that whatever you take. Uber, <laughs> Uber Eats it. Where to? Oh, we're in the middle of a field. I get my address. Throw a guy on the bike. Where are you? Oh, we're set ten meters up. He'll find us. I mean, just remember, whatever you carry, you have to carry back. Yeah. You've never sounded more like a mum in your life. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just looking out for our natural uh, parts, not really natural parts, but our natural parts. The only thing you should leave behind is your footprints. Yeah. That was nice. God, I hate that myself. Nice. <laughs> you can tell you on the CSR team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ripping the brand. Champagne of the green. Yeah. I think we've discussed a fair amount today. It's been. Very long. <laughs> We've been here for a while, but I think we've just seen a fair amount of important points. And less important points, like I have beaten Archie in the scoreboard. That's very important. That's so very you lasted important. one week? Yeah, one week. Oh, God. Who's next? Uh, Gabrielle. She's definitely going to get more than 20. Right, yeah. Well, I think we'll wrap up here, then. How was it for your first episode? I really enjoyed it. Some good conversation, I think, with the topic being sort of quite a deep thing quite a serious thing it lets you have that sort of more vulnerable conversation about you know how you feel and that's not really something that i get to do very often so thank you thank you your first episode uh see you next week we'll see you next week certified mute <laughs> uh, and we'll see everyone listening next week as well fingers crossed 51 yeah. followers now 51 followers and 254 players oh, ho, ho. Yeah. and we're flying Absolutely fine. So a quarter of the people playing the podcast are following us, which means there's three quarters of people that aren't. So oh. if you want to be an extra, if you want to be certified you as well, then follow, follow the podcast. So you're just calling them out. <laughs> <laughs> no. You have to do no, it. No, I'm bringing them into the, the Ginger Youth team because we are. Yeah, for anyone that couldn't see that, obviously you can't see it. It's an audio podcast. I actually fist bump it. <laughs> I fist bump the air. Fist bump, it's all down to. I'm that committed. See you next week.